if every person on this earth can show love and compassion, especially for the young ones. I believe we will have a better world. I see the walls before me, I feel the cages forming. Seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head up the ground. I see the world before me, I know what change is coming. I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head up the ground. We break into everything. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donker. Today we have amazing couples here, Mr. and Mrs. Dumbuya. We are going to talk on parenting. As we know, season three, it's all about parenting. And they have an amazing story. They were parenting before marriage and then after marriage. I just want us to dive into that aspect and just to be an encouragement to other people out there. So please introduce yourself. I am Francis Dumbuya. I'm the husband to Jellicatu. She'll introduce herself. Okay. I am Mrs. Jellicatu Jala Dumbuya. Is Jalo Dumbuya on your ID card? Yes. Even my passport, Jalo Dumbuya. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, people do that. How long did you guys date before you got married? Hmm. I would say 10 years. Hmm? From what, 17 years? Were you 17 or were you 18? When she was 17, at the age of 17. We're just plain by that time. We were plain. You were what? <laughs> Mrs. Dumbuya is saying that we were just playing. But for me, I already saw a wife by then. Right. <laughs> you see the vision, you write it down, and you make it plain. Jesus. Wow, 10 years. So, Katu, let's get into that story. You had one of your friends give you her child. Can you run through that story? Just briefly. By that time, I think I was just 21 years old, and I was in college. So I had a very close friend of mine. We were in the same senior school together. So she was living in my house. But then her younger sister, who was just 19 years old, got pregnant. And they were not that well to do. Her parents were like angry with her and everything. But she went through the pregnancy. The day she delivered, I went with her sister to visit her in the hospital because she did operation. So we went to the hospital I saw her and then I was looking at this baby, tiny baby, crying, crying. She refused to breastfeed the child because she was not happy like the way she had the child. She was young. The father of the child denied, like, I am not the owner of the pregnancy. And her mom was her family. They were all angry with her. So mm. she didn't the child at that moment. So I was just joking with her, like, if you not breastfeed this child, I'm going to take this child home. And she said, if you want, you can take her home. Because even this child, we are going to name this child after you. 
Oh. By that time, it was just like a joke, but I went with the kid home. With the, the baby? The baby. Yeah. I went with the baby home. It should be the third day. We were supposed to go and visit her in the hospital because something went wrong during her operation and everything. So she was in a critical position. But then early in the morning, we were getting ready. They called us that she passed away. So that is how I had Hadija. Her name is Hadija. Did you decide to name her that way or the sister named her? No, because like I said, she's not from a well-to-do family. Mm. When we even went there, they just gave her one wrapper to wrap the baby. So I know if I leave the baby with them, I don't know, but they're not going to be so responsible for the child. And her mother also came to the picture and the mother says, since she gave you the child before she died, if you want, you can take the child. And I was young, going to some school, college. I did not have any experience, but I was like, okay, I'm going to take her home. That is how we took her home. Wow. Francis, how did you feel? <laughs> actually, just to add on to what she has just explained, actually, it was out of compassion and love. It's a reaction, actually. It's not like some man who yeah. was totally prepared for. She was a student at the time. And it's just out of compassion. The compassion in her is what made her respond in that way, in saying that, okay, I will take care of the child. I will take the child out, not knowing what lies ahead. Yeah. What led to that situation is like the stigma in the society of a teenager getting pregnant. Right. And that stigma, it started from the responsible person who impregnated her, denying the pregnancy. That is what shattered the teenager's spirit of carrying this pregnancy. And not only that, being that the family is not well to do and they all rejected you. Mm -hmm. And that alone just killed her spirit. That's why when she had the baby after the operation, she was not happy. Because she said, the family is denying this baby. My family is not well to do. Also pushed me aside when I got pregnant, teenage age. And I believe that's what made her not to even breastfeed for the month. Three days before Three the days, passed. the baby had nothing, no eat. breastfeeding, nothing. Just because the mother was down. And in fact, because it was an operation, she was advised not to eat. She did, and I think caused abscess, and that led to the complication that led to her death. And uh, Jellica too. All going through all this, seeing all this, so compassionate about who is going to take care of this child that is motherless. Yeah. Through her compassion, she decided that, okay, whatever the world holds, I will step in and see what I can do. I think she reached out yeah. to me on day what? On the third day, when the mom passed away, I called him. I was like, yeah. I have something to tell you. Because from day one, I told my mom, I have a baby. <laughs> And she was like, you're always taking care of other people's child, going up and down with it. No, this one is different. My mom was laughing. But then when she had the story, she was so compassionate about it. She was like, wow, then you have to take care of this kid. And I remember when I called Francis home to see the child, he was crying. He did not have the chance to see the mom. He only got to know when the mom passed away because everything was just passed. Yeah, unexpectedly. It was very unexpected. And then he was so touching about it. He went to the bank, removed some money, and even me. We no, went no. together like if we were already married. <laughs> Actually, when she told me that, Francis, this is what has happened, and the mother has passed away for three days now, the baby has nothing to eat from the time of birth to the time of the mother passing away, and no clothes. The family don't even have any money to just just the wrapper from birth that was on her. 
Right. I felt it so much. And by then, I also had just started working with PKF. At that same spot that she called me, I had some like just $10 in my account. <laughs> I withdrew everything and I called and I said, Oh my God. Pick this up. Go to baby center, do shops, uh, baby clothing, so get things for the baby. That is how it started. And that is how we have come this far that we are here now today. And all this that happened, this compassion that we showed, is just in this year that I came to understand that what we did was scriptural. And as a Christian and as a Bible-believing Christian, I got to understand that what we did and all that has happened up to now, because since that day that I took up that last money in my account, the $10, tell you that we have never when it comes to taking care of Hadijah. Yeah. We have never. Yeah. And I got to understand this through scripture that God defends the fatherless. Yeah. If you look at Deuteronomy 10, 18, he said, it says, he defends the fatherless and the widow. Yeah. I got to understand this and I knew that indeed God was working miracles using Jodhika to die. I was just going to ask, how was the community? What were they thinking? Because obviously they'll just be like, the fact that your mom even believed you, because first instinct will be, you sure say you're not born speaking yourself. <laughs> yeah. I had one auntie that called me to her house like, hello, Jalikato. Please, I want to see you. It's urgent. And I was running to go there just for her to tell me that you have a baby without telling us you were pregnant. So I left all my place just to come and hear this. And I was, eh. they even have to move, check my stomach to see. No, they should have taken you to the doctor to do inspection. Nonsense. <laughs> You're not married. And then you are always going up and down with this baby. And I was so excited about her. We were taking pictures. I was always with her. If I'm not going for classes, always with her. Every time I'm with her, they will be like, what? She have a baby, something. So people were talking behind our backs. And then later, I think someone came up and was like, this child is Francis' child. <laughs> like Francis has a child, another woman. And because we don't want to explain to people, we were like, yes, it's true. And God made it so that Hadija is like a photocopy of yeah. <laughs> all of everything be like, are you sure this child does not belong to Francis? We'll be like, yeah, we went over that because it was not easy. People, people, people. I like the fact that you said God defends the fatherless and people need to know that, yes, someone committed a sin, but they are not the sin. Like I just interviewed a single mom last week and she talked about the shame she had to go through, though she came to her community and they received her. But, you know, people are always going to talk. And for her, it's like she was the shame, like she has done something shameful and she was the shame. But then she was like, even when she went to church and, you know, they're like, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sin. She's like, my sin is sitting next to me, which is her child. And I had to tell her, listen, that's not a sin. That is a gift from God. Because the Bible says that children are a gift from God. I mean, you saying God defending the fatherless. Don't take it that somebody has committed this big thing. And so, oh, we have to talk about it. We have to like say so many things. Can you just take that child? Can you just nurture the woman who even gave birth to that child and like encourage her? We're not saying that go and have sex and have kids. I mean, premarital sex, we're not saying that. But like, if anything happens, can we just receive those people and encourage them and guide them and lead them because God defends the fatherless and because children are a gift from God and God has given them, brought them to this world. And everyone, he says, I knew you before you were born. So who knows that this was supposed to happen like this? We are not saying, we're not encouraging sin here, but we are just asking people to just listen 
accept people, whatever sin they've committed, as long as that person is willing to change. Look at this lady. She was so sad that she didn't even want to breastfeed that child. She didn't even want to have that child. And then I'm sure it's because of that pain, because of that trauma, she couldn't fight because if she had probably fought, she would have been alive today. But complications and everything, all was going inside of her is what has caused her this pain. And it's so sad that our communities just stop. Some people are just there to just talk, but then they forget that they also have things going on in their lives. That if people should find out about what is going on in their lives, who all just collapse <laughs> and just be like, oh my God, this woman has been saying so much things about us. Look at what she's going through. Look at what's happening. We need to be careful what we say, our actions and how we treat other people. And so fast forward to marriage. How has it been like, did you guys, struggle with having your first child was it like did it take it longer or well, looking back i wouldn't say we struggled it was more of a spiritual journey for us in getting our own child actually because um that's our background and uh where we are coming from and the challenges we are facing not just physically but spiritually what our parents have faced before and we found out that was also affecting us in our marriage and it was what we took up on ourselves. We prayed together about it. And God revealed it, what should be done to a man of God, a woman of God. And when it was revealed, that's when it happened. She just surprised me with the news. And it coincided with New Year's Eve. Immediately, she said, Happy New Year. I'm pregnant. Here is the test. <laughs> <laughs> and he was excited, jumping. Everybody was just looking at him. Why is he so happy? <laughs> it's New Year. That was so nice. That was amazing. So that's why I wouldn't say we struggled that much, but we actually wanted a baby. She was keen on having a baby. Can you imagine? Before even Jellicot and I got married, she revealed to me that we were married. We had a son. Mm -hmm. The son looked like me and had her complexion. Oh my God. Yes, before. And when she delivered, Exactly how she explained the, yeah. the dream to me. And it's exactly what happened. Wow. Children are a blessing. Like, now I want to go and adopt somebody's child and just so that they can start giving me revelation. <laughs> no, no, I know. Joyce, yeah. that's what she just said. I will encourage you. It's not just about having your own child. It's about adopting as well. Many people, mostly Christians, we tend to want to live in that nuclear family or having your own blood child. That's all what counts. No. But if you go through scripture, taking care of the widowless, the fatherless, is actually what is referred to as true religion in Christianity. You'll get that in James chapter 1, verse 77. Pastor. It says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. That is pure religion. I always wanted to adopt anyway. I'm not saying I want to adopt for a kid to come and reveal it, but I always wanted to adopt. And believe me, there is a blessing attached to it. I will give you an example. The famous actress Angelina Jolie, when she got married to Brad Pitt, found it difficult to have a child. But the moment she adopted, she adopted two. I think one Asian, I saw. Immediately she adopted, she got pregnant. I think she had twins, in fact. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I've seen it countless some people, when you adopt some children, you think that this child is not my blood or something. But as years passed by, like for us, my own experience with Hadija, we bonded so well that if, for example, I put Hadija's picture and Francis in front of you, you will never believe that you understand. They are not even related. Same way. And then if me and Hadija were here together, we have 
like almost the same habits. Hadija is just like photocopy of me, like the thing she normally does and then how she reacts. She's just like me. So many people will say, this one, she's just like her mom. So because we are bonded so well, we are more than just a family by blood or whatever, by even spirits. It's just more than blood. So if you adopt a child and you open all your heart to the child, people that don't know, they will never believe when you tell them because the child is going to grow up just like you. Even you, you'll be like, what? <laughs> The way she behaves, everything is just like me. And the way she looks and walks, everything is just like the father. Many people, they don't know and they cannot believe it. Some of them, if they'll be like, what? No. Because first, when they started like, Hadija is Francis' daughter, way back, we just said yes. We never explained to people how she came about. How she came about. And after she's always seen with me, they started saying, ha, this one. She got pregnant for Francis before she even got married to him. And we'll be like, yes, it's true. Like, we don't have time to explain ourselves to people. Yeah, there's no need, really. Because up till now, Hadija does not know anything about it. Even her, she won't believe it. Until she listens to this podcast. <laughs> when she going to listen to this? <laughs> She's 10, by the way. <laughs> I know, I know. There were challenges taking care of a baby and too inexperienced adults taking care of a child. That was never had a child now. And not even living together. You are already acting like single parents. <laughs> That's when I knew that I could work for 24 hours without collapsing. Yeah. I would go in the morning, close at 6, and come 6 to in the evening. House. And immediately when I close, I will rush straight to Jellicato. And I will be there till 12 minutes, sometimes 1 a.m. and return back home. You'll be holding the <laughs> baby while... I'm not going to cry. I am not going to cry. From the first time Francis held Hadija, I remember she was crying by that time. Anytime she used to smell him, if oh my he's God. around. So sometimes if we're tired, Francis is around, we'll just say, okay, take your daughter. He'll be there standing with her playing with her, they will be just giggling everything and then I'll be sleeping. <laughs> wow. Even as you guys talk about this, I just feel like it's just God ordained because it could have been anyone taking care of her. God chose you guys. And I think one of the prayers you should be praying is God, whatever reason you made us nurture this girl, let it come to manifestation. Let us not miss it because hearing your story, this is just God moving in his own mysterious ways. And using you to be a guide. You knew that you guys would be amazing parents to Hadija. So it's just God. That's what I can say. Because even as you talk about the blessings involved, I don't think you guys have even scratched the surface of the blessing that God has in store for you just because of what you guys did. Because I was watching this movie, I forgot the title. And this lady, I think it was Sandra Bullock in that movie, this white family, they adopted a black guy. And the guy started playing sports. I think it was this American soccer that she was playing. I can't remember the title of the movie, but he became so good at it and became famous and the family were involved in their life and it was a true life story. Can you imagine if they had not adopted that child? I mean, it wasn't like the person was young. The person was older, like probably in the teens, before 18 or something like that or around that age, but they still took that person in and the whole family was involved with him and his life became amazing. He was successful in his career, in the soccer game and everything. 
So me hearing your story is just letting me know that there's a blessing when we give our hearts. I just want you guys to talk on the importance of taking care of people's children or taking care of another person's child that is not your blood and making sure that we are not maltreating them. Because there are a lot of kids out there that are staying with other people and they are being maltreated. Some of them are being raped and things like that. But that is not what it's supposed to be. We are supposed to, like Francis said earlier, God defends the fatherless. So can you guys talk on that? As for me, I normally tell people that I am raised by my aunties. I am a child of aunties. I don't know if you can understand. Yeah, because your mom was not really there, right? Like I've not lived with my mom for two years complete in the same house. I've been from one auntie to another auntie, just like that. I think for now, when I look back at my life, I know that God has been preparing me for Hadi or for any other child that comes around me because I know what I went through. So I know how I felt when I was going through those things, like when they were not nice with me and all those petty, petty things. Africans here, I don't know, because most Africans, when they come to your house, they will see a beautiful child. They'll say, ah, this child is very beautiful if the person is related to your mom or so. Let me take her, let her come and stay with me. I'll take care of her. You'll be like, okay, no problem. This person is responsible. This person can take care of my child. But don't forget, you're not living with your child. And by that time that I was coming up, you don't have phones or you won't even have the guts to talk to your mom because your auntie is always there. The person is always there with you. You don't have the guts to say, this is what I'm passing through. So I know what it feels like. I know how I felt when I was in some certain position. So I know the grace of God. I don't think I will maltreat any child because I have gone through something like that. I have already forgiven all of them, but then the lesson is there. I know what it costs. So I don't think for me that is going to be a problem. But then for every person out there, if you know you cannot take care of a child or you know that maybe something will get wrong somewhere, just let the child be. You have to show the child love. For Africans, they only think discipline, discipline, discipline. If you know you cannot show the child love, not to add more sin to your own life, to your own children's life, because afterwards, if you did not pay for it, your own biological children, they are going to pay. God works in mysterious ways, you know, Joyce. <laughs> because this that Jelly Cat just explained is a direct polar opposite of my own life and how I grew up. Mommy's boy. <laughs> Look at what God did now to pair both of us together. I grew up in a family full with a lot of love. It's not just a nuclear family, but an extended family. We all live together. It is part of them to take other people's children. I grew up in a house with my mother taking care of more than 10 children. My mom only gave birth to me, but she took care of more than 10 children. So I grew up knowing that not only your own blood that you should love to. I learned from my mom that when you are taking care of a child that is not yours, you have to even be careful. That child is being protected by God. That child has no father, no mother, but anything you do, she will make sure she shows more love to even that child more than her own child. Mm -hmm. When Adija came into our hands, it was something that was already in me that I just had to give up. It was an opportunity for me. I can say Jessica to also piggybacked on that as well. <laughs> she has also learned her lessons. For my own advice, it doesn't take much. Sacrifice, show compassion and love. And just being 
harsh. They've just been, I don't know, heartless. Yeah. If you know you cannot take care of a child, then someone always God will identify yes. to take care of that child. Because even Jesus in Matthew 18, 5 said that whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So for me, I don't just do anything because we're all passing through this world. So for me, usually I don't judge because like my own upbringing already prepared me. For Jelica too, it's by the grace of God that she also still had, because mostly when I listen to her, I really wonder why she had this. We know how she was treated. Some people go through that because of what they experience, they decide to do the same thing. I think I've heard this story. I don't know whether it's a real life story, but they said two guys growing up, their father was a drunkard and the one became a drunkard and the one decided not to become a drunkard. So the decision is on you as an individual, no matter what you're going through in life, choose to be the better person. I feel like, and this is what me and my friend and I always talk about, that experiences you've learned from when you were younger, whatever you feel like was wrong, make sure that when you are older, you try to correct them and do better. Because sometimes our parents do not know better. And so they'll only teach us what they have learned. And sometimes what they have learned is not even the right thing. And they'll be teaching us that. And so we grow with that and we think that that's the right thing to do. But when you realize that it's wrong, try to correct it. And I was also going to say that even for me, I'd lived when I moved to London, the first family that I stayed with, it was really tough for me because it was the first time leaving my family. I had never lived outside of my parents' house. And so it was the first time at 18, going to 19, moving to a totally different person. And even though they knew my dad, I had never spoken to them. I do not know them. And it was really tough because at some point I was like doing everything in the house. It was like a three-story, you know, yeah, cleaning from the bathroom, the stairs, the kitchen, the living room, the bathroom downstairs. Sometimes you yeah, are going to mow the grass. Sometimes you yeah, are to remove like weeds in between. Like I was doing everything every Saturday. At some point, I'll just lie that I was going to work and I'll go and spend the time with like a church family and not really friends because they thought probably I was going to friends. I did have friends, but I was not always with them. I was always hanging around with the older people because at some point I was tired. Even when I was sick, you could tell that I was sick. I had like a flu or something. Sometimes when this flu hits you, you can't even do anything. They'll ask you to come and do this. Sometimes they'll cook and then hide the food from you. And it's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> And I'm so grateful. I'm not like a food person. So you're hiding food away from me. I can just go to bed hungry. I mastered the art of going to bed hungry. All the experiences I learned there, it taught me a lot. And I was paying rent on top of that. So when I moved to US, it was like, hey, do the chores that you're supposed to do, pay rent. As soon as I started working, it was like, hey, how much do you guys want me to pay rent? Because I didn't want anyone to come and disrespect you just because you're not paying rent or anything. I was like, hey, what's the rent I need to pay? And I make sure that I pay the rent. Wherever I had chores, I made sure I was doing the chores. I didn't have to wait for anybody. And it's so used to me <laughs> that even when I'm cleaning the bathroom in my own apartment, I stay with my friend. I'll be scrubbing that bathroom because in my mind, this is how that lady taught me when I was in London. Like she doesn't want to see any green thing in between the squares, <laughs> the lines in the bathroom. So my friend would be like, Joyce, you don't need to scrub the bathroom like this. And I'll be like, in my mind, I'm still living in London and I don't want anyone to come and see any green thing. So I'm scrubbing the bathroom, like taking a scrubbing brush and scrubbing. <laughs> it's so funny, but my friend is like, Joyce, you don't need, and we clean the bathroom every week. Our husband always clean. Even one of our friends was like, this is your apartment. I can even sit on the floor and eat my food. For me, it's like that mentality is still there. I mean, I appreciate the fact that I want to make sure that my bathroom is clean, my house is clean and all of that. I appreciate that lesson, but you don't have too much. You can teach somebody, sit them down, train them. Like I had a manager when I was working in Gambia. He was one of my favorite bosses. 
and he was leaving to go back home, but he had a niece staying with him and the niece was going to my dad's school and they were like, she was in 12th grade. He doesn't want to let the kid go. And then she has to start all over again, 12th grade. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to speak to my dad and see if she can stay with us. So I eventually spoke to my dad and my dad agreed and she stayed with us. The moment she came to our house, I just sat her down and advised her. It was just one time. I didn't have to repeat myself. I just said to her, when you see them cleaning, just go take a broom, help them to sweep. If you see them doing some house chores, just do help them out. I just told her that. I said, just help them. My dad was like, did you tell her to do that? I was like, nah. But I just had to let her know because at the end of the day, I don't want anyone to come and say, oh, this person is here and she's not doing this. She's not doing that. And also, as soon as I came back from London, I told my parents, I said, my mom, you know, my cousins are staying with us. So I was like, the way you treat my sisters, make sure you treat these people the same. I don't believe my parents are treating them anyhow. But I was just telling them, whatever you do, do it to them because I don't want a situation where it would be like, oh, you bought an iPhone and then you are buying this one at Nokia 3310. I think when I bought them their first phones, before even my sisters had their phones, because their birthdays is before my sisters, I made sure that anything that my sisters were getting, they were also getting because I hated that thing so bad, like so, so bad because... I've experienced it. I don't want a situation where somebody has to go through that. I want to be a light. I want to encourage you. I want you to be able to come to me because it's life. You don't know who you're going to meet at the end of the day. On your way, climbing up, the same people you meet are the same people you're going to meet coming down. So you don't know whether my cousins one day, they'll be superstars or presidents, you know, people in the high place and you need them at one point. And the way you treated them, they will always remember. Yes, like Jelica, you said, you're forgiving them, but the memory is still there. We are always going to remember. And it's not like if they come to you for help, you're not going to help them, but you're going to assess, <laughs> you're going to dissect and think, should I give them? Not like you don't want to, but you're going to think about the consequences. I'm still on good terms with those, my aunties and everything. But like just what I said, I cannot forget the experience because see now it's like a lesson to me, even in my home. My husband always joked with me like, you are a strange soldier or something like that. Because if I wake up today, I don't meet anything in the house. If there's Gary at any time, I can sit down and eat Gary, even three o'clock in the morning without having one because of the training I had. When they said today, this is what is available. Eat it. You are going to eat it. And I don't have any style when it comes to food. Like, what? I don't eat this. I'm allergic to this. No, I eat because when you're there, they won't even ask for your permission. Would you like to take this food today? No, it's what is given to you. And then anything they say, that is what is going to happen. So I can live anywhere just because of the experience that I have had. So I am not the type of person because some people look at me now, they'll be like, ah, this one, she cannot even raise a cup of water or something. I said, you people don't know where I am from. Because if you know where I'm coming from, you know that <laughs> nothing moves me. My daughter, I think there was a day I was driving her to school. I think we passed somewhere else and I was showing her, this is my school, SOS. I went to the school. Hadija was like, wow. So mommy, when you were going to school, were they coming to drop you to with car? And I laughed that day. I laughed. Do you think? I was not like you. If uh, mommy did not drop you to school or daddy did not pick you up from school, you cannot come to the house. I walked from my school and when I showed her the distance, I walked every day to and for she was like, no, I thought they are always coming to pick you up because you're always picking me up. And I was like, mommy went through tough times. And sometimes, no matter where you find yourself, you have to be very careful with people. You not be like, huh, me, my mommy does not give me this type of food, so I'm not going to eat it. Well, my mommy is picking me up from school, so today I cannot trip. Because this life, nobody knows tomorrow.
Yeah. I mean, the Bible says, train up a child the way they should go. When they're old, they'll never depart from it. So as young as they are, it's so good that you're already telling them stuff and advising them because anything can happen. Sometimes in the morning, like when they're going to school, deliberately make sure her lunch is short just to see if she's grateful. She will say, Daddy, thank you. Oh, that's so nice. Sometimes I used to think, wow, if God should have given your mom to just spend a week with you, then what she's going to miss is so loving. No matter how you discipline her, she'll come back to you. Mommy, I'm sorry. I am so confident that the love that she had, she's sharing it with her brother. This learned so much from her. As for me, I did not grow up like that. So I learned all (laughs) from my husband because for you, your birthday, you see your auntie come and sing happy birthday to you and give you a hug and what? What? Did they even think about that? Your birthday, go and support. Or you get one egg. <laughs> if you get anything at all. But then I learned so much from Francis and his mom. The love they showed to each other was like, wow. When it's time for someone's birthday, you see us, we're so in a hurry to get them a gift, hug them, and keep them. And I was like, wow. Now I'm with my children like this, but I thank God because of the man I got married to. Because if not, those things shouldn't have been impacted in me. Like I should have just been so sad, so grumpy because I grew up that way. You don't have time to hug your your parents or something. So what lessons have you guys learned in this whole journey from Hadja being born and at this time in your life? I think one of the greatest lessons is that children are not different. And uh, it doesn't have to be your own blood. And be anybody's child. Showing love and compassion goes a long way. You don't know how you'll be transforming that child's life. And uh, don't let your past, your child's past, make you lose out what you should have actually achieved in the future. If every person on this earth can show love and compassion, especially to the young ones, I believe we'll have a better world tomorrow. Because there's a proverb that says, do not teach an old dog new tricks. But what about the young ones? What are you going to teach them? You guys are doing great. You're doing amazing. I'm so proud of you. The love that we show to Hadji, that love is what is keeping her own family line. Wow. It's causing a ripple effect. It's affecting other people. That is amazing. That's so important. Like you treat one person that way. That one person will treat another person. Then it's like two people and two people are going. It's like, it's just expounding and expounding before you realize the whole world is changing. That's how we start changing. And that's why Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in this world. It starts from you. Change starts from you. Did you have any lesson, Jalikatu, that you wanted to add? When Hadija came into my life, it was not something that was planned for, like, this is what I'm going to do and what she came unexpected. But then the lesson I learned from it, like, anything you do with a clean and a pure heart, God is going to bless you. Since the day she came into our life, by that time I was going to school, I was not working, and he had a new job and they were not paying that much. But I can never lack anything for her. She was drinking the best milk formula because by that time she was breastfeeding. Everything got just for her. Anything concerning Hadija, sometimes I'll be like, ah, Father, today if I don't have money, Hadija is not going to eat or something. God is going to provide us. The lesson I've learned, just because she's with us, God is always providing for us. And then she's a blessing to us because she Amen. brought a lot of smiles to us. Yes, and see now she's 10 years old, but then she will come and cuddle with me when I'm sleeping. So I've learned so many things. So to affectionate because 
Yeah, she's the first child. She is the first child. <laughs> I was not afraid, thinking, how am I going to do this? What is going to happen? God just all the way, and he provided for and my family. We're just grateful for God to bring her into our own life. That's great. What advice can you give to families or people that are out there? They don't have kids of their own or even before marriage, they've been asked to take care. Because I remember there was a time that somebody asked a couple before they got married that, do you want to adopt this child? Well, not the couple, but the guy. And somebody told her, oh, you can't adopt this child because what is your wife to be going to say, yada, yada. And because of that, the person never adopted a child. You know, there are certain circumstances you have to think about it first. But what advice can you give to people out there that are like, oh, unless I have my child, I'm not going to adopt or they are finding it difficult to adopt because this African mentality, you don't know which child they are bringing to your house. Da, 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 da. What advice can you give to them? For me, what I would say is, and anything, just put God first. If you want to adopt a child, because some people in Africa, yes, they had some bad experience. They'll adopt a child and then after how many years they'll find out the pastor will come and say, this child is a witch or this child is the one that caused this thing, blah, 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 blah. No. As for us, from the first day we had we were going to church with her. We do not have that type of experience. But in anything, if you're finding it difficult to have a child, some people, that is the faith. God is waiting. Adopt a child. Make sure you treat that child just like your own. If you have your own child, you are going to be a good mother or something. So God gave them a child. Some people, they will never have, but just by adopting those children you adopt, you don't know who they are going to be tomorrow. They are going to take care of you. You don't know blessing that is going to come because of that child. Have faith and pray about it, and then you adopt the child with an open heart, and then God is with everything in line for you. Yeah, and I will advise that people should take a leap of faith. Nobody comes into this world by accident. God proposed it for you to come through that womb. So if you are someone who is planning to take on a child or adopt, know that you are securing someone's destiny and you will not know that God is going to be with you because don't forget, he's the one defending that child. My advice is, people, let's take a leap of faith. You cannot just bottle up all the love in yourself, share it. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. Let us take a leap of faith. If you want to adopt her. But once you take up that responsibility, once you go ahead and have a child, once you go ahead and adopt a child, do all you can in spite of any situation against all odds. Don't give up. That's really important. Don't give up. I mean, if you know you can't take care of that child, you can take them back, give them back or give them to somebody else. Now I have my own child, so... Exactly. Don't even cause a difference because, oh, now I have my own child. And some kids, especially if they know that this is not their real parents, they'll be like, oh, now they have their own child. They're going to treat me differently. But always remind them that you're not going to be treated differently. You're still going to be my child. You are still my child. You know, I love you. Thank you guys for being on here. It was amazing. A wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you guys. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by 
Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in Begandia, West Africa. Cause they can-